I think the mother-daughter relationship does and why it's so incredibly powerful, and I think therefore why it's marginalized, is because it's there you see the embodiment of it. You see the relational impact, not only on how women see themselves and self-silence or put themselves last or struggle with, you know, am I, you know, struggle about being assertive or also how that then impacts how they then relate as mother and daughter. So we see the, the, the real impact of the marginalization, the silencing of women and the inequality in that relationship um, mm. and how beliefs are passed down about, you know, we shouldn't, how we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do this or, you, sh you, you know, aren't you worried about what, how somebody else feels when in fact actually you, somebody's hurt you badly, but, you, but you've been taught to, to worry more about not upsetting the other person. You know, it's at that sort of level that, you know, those sort of beliefs are just passed down because they're normalized within the family and they're normalized. So therefore they're normalized in the relationship and then mothers and daughters are set up to fight. We fight over who gets to be heard, who gets to be supported. In life, you're not defined by the times that are easy. What truly makes you who you are is how you deal with the challenges that life throws at you with all of the stress, frustration, and toil that entails. Everybody has a story and everyone has had to overcome something. In this podcast, we dive into the inner experience and how to rise above as a winner. I share my personal reflections as a woman, a mom, a business owner, and I have guests on who share their stories on having to overcome incredible things to be the inner winners they are today. Welcome to the Inner Winner Show. In 2020, we dealt with the unknown of a new pandemic. You indulged in the comfort foods, the sweets, the alcoholic beverages, and put on some more pounds. I don't blame you. But now is a new year, a clean slate. We know what we're dealing with now, and you are going to rise to the occasion. 2021 is going to be the year you feel and look your absolute best. Join our full body reset challenge this month and get a health program designed around Forever's aloe vera drinking gel, additional supplements, and a nutritionally balanced diet, leaving you feeling energized and supported on your fitness journey. And do it together with others committed to the same goal as you this year. This challenge is custom made to meet your needs, fitness background, fitness goals, and budget. Email me at innerwellnesswoman at gmail.com to claim your spot. So our guest today is somebody really special and she has so many great insights when it comes to women, when it comes to the mother-daughter relationship. And it's just going to be such a fascinating conversation uh, sitting down and talking with her. So Today we have Roske Hasseldein on the podcast, and she is an internationally recognized mother-daughter relationship therapist who teaches online mother-daughter attachment training courses for th therapists and coaches, 
and she's the author of The Silent Female Scream and the Mother-Daughter Daughter Puzzle, and links to her articles and YouTube videos are on her website, ruski.com. She blogs for the American Counseling Association, and she has spoken about her work at conferences, United Nations, 62nd Commission on the Status of Women in New York, on radio and television, and she's just she has so much knowledge on this topic and I had the pleasure to to be introduced to her and to meet her for the first time online uh, at the Women's Federation conference about women and work-life balance so thank you so much Roski for being on my podcast today well thank you Linda Uh, I was just delighted when you emailed me uh, because actually like I said to you when I first met you on the Women's Federation World Peace Conference I thought I was immediately like, oh my gosh, I want, I want to meet this woman. So um, yeah, so you beat me to it. So thank you. And thank you for inviting me. I, I really appreciate you um, engaging, yeah, giving, the, giving a voice to this, this much needed conversation about mothers and daughters, because there's a real, women are hungry to find out what's going on between them and their mother or their daughter. Yes, and I felt exactly the same way when when we met on that conference. I mean, the, the topic is so fascinating in and of itself, and the way you explain it um, is, is, is really great. Um, and I've never met a mother-daughter relationship expert before. And we, we were speaking about this earlier, that you might be the only one, right? Well, it's- I know, which which is what I'm why I'm teaching now because I'm changing this. Because um, when I started back in uh, yes, dare I say it? I think it was 1997 when I graduated um, and set up as a mother daughter therapist. I didn't know anybody else who was specialising in this relationship as a therapist. Um, and over the years, I really haven't met anybody else who's you know devoted their life to this. So this is why. Um, it's it is actually you know well overdue for me to pass on what I've learned over the years from my clients particularly I mean so that in a way their voices are on it Um, and and the learning that I've gained from them is honored and so that you know when it's time for me to retire at some point which is a wee way away yet thank goodness um there will be therapists or and all over the world and the specialism is given the recognition it deserves because sadly within counseling and coaching it's still marginalized which you know women are marginalized still so um yeah i'm on a mission i'm a woman on a mission to change this yes yes you are and let's get into the the backstory on how you got into the topic i'm so curious to know how it all started how you knew that this mother-daughter relationship was going to be your life mission or you know like where did that come from where did the the realization that there is a need for this come from and yeah and what is your relationship with your mom as well I'm curious to know yeah well obviously that's where it started (laughs) I mean you know you wouldn't get into this work if you hadn't didn't have some experience yourself yeah I write it I write about my relationship with my mom uh, in my in the book the sign of female screen um, and yeah my relationship with my mom was not good at all and particularly over you know starting classically you know when I was 12 13 um, and 
it was sort of when, particularly when my daughter was born, so that's over 30 years ago, when my daughter was born, that's when, you know, I just knew I had to firstly sort out, I had to sort out what was going, what was not going well between my mother and I. We were basically, my mother had stopped speaking to me and I need to understand why she had such difficulty um, engaging with me. And it was through that that I knew, and then I, you know, I started ferociously finding books, my mother, myself, you know, um, that were around in those in, in that time, which there were some, but not as many as there are now. And I just got bitten by it. I just got so passionate about it. And I started to learn that what was happening through my mother and I wasn't, was there was a hugely bigger story here to tell in terms of my mother's life and particularly how women are treated in our family, a generational family and within society and seeing the themes that were being passed down from my grandmother to my mother and to me and that I could then, you know, some of them are great, absolutely strong themes that need to be passed down and honoured, but there was a lot of themes of emotional silence, emotional neglect, self-effacing behaviour, emotional um, in, in, in fact, emotional starvation that I needed to change so that my relationship with my daughter was very different. Um, and I wouldn't be passing on some of the themes that I'd inherited from my mum, which my mother inherited from her mum, which they learned from society how to put themselves last. Um, so that's, and then when I started working with clients, I learned very early on that what happens between a mother and daughter is a reflection of what happens, how women are treated within the family and within society. It's a direct connection. Oh, fascinating. Wow. I can go on forever. I, I, I thought I need, I should pause because, you know, press it. I can just talk about this forever. So, um, yeah. So what, what else would you like me to, how, cause I can just carry on talking. So what else would you like me to unpack for you about this? It's, it's such a, such an important, topic just to to speak about the intergenerational um, issues the, the the issues that are passed on from generation to generation yeah. in general and yes. then in particular the mother-daughter issues that are like you say a reflection of society and I think we're all aware to some extent of the the marginalization of women and you know the fact that we're not still to this day on equal footing with men um in in a lot of ways but but to know that it actually comes down to to the family and i don't know where i'm going with this i just <laughs> yeah no keep, um, keep that how it comes to, in a sense how the it lands on the mother-daughter relationship. It lands on the mother-daughter relationship can, and the responsibility. It lands, exactly. I think because we can have a sort of academic understanding of the fact that women, yes, we're marginalized, we're silenced. But you see what I think the mother-daughter relationship does and why it's so incredibly powerful. And I think therefore why it's marginalized is because it's there you see the embodiment of it. You see the relational impact, not only on how women see themselves and self-silence or put themselves last or struggle with, you know, am I, you know, struggle about being assertive or 
also how that then impacts how they then relate as mother and daughter. So we see the, the, the real impact of the marginalization, the silencing of women and the inequality in that relationship. Um, mm. And how beliefs are passed down about, you know, we shouldn't, how we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do this or you, sh you, you know, aren't you worried about what, how somebody else feels? when in fact, actually, you, somebody's hurt you badly, but, you, but you've been taught to, to worry more about not upsetting the other person. You know, it's at that sort of level that, you know, those sort of beliefs are just passed down because they're normalized within the family and they're normalized. So therefore they're normalized in the relationship and then mothers and daughters are set up to fight. We fight over who gets to be heard, who gets to be supported and about this, the um, the disempowerment that we that we feel, and also also about the loss of opportunities that say perhaps a mother's generation had, that also lands on the mother daughter relationship in terms of how the difference that the daughters now got opportunities the mother never got to have, or freedoms, and then so the daughter then becomes a mirror reflection of what the mother never got to do and never got to be or never got to have. And that, that, that's tough. That is so interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking about my own relationship with my mother and, um, and what you're saying is so true. In conversation with my mom, she, she repeats this often <laughs> um, yeah. because we do end up um, getting into tougher conversations or some, sometimes even conflicts over over simple things and and she always gets back to to the statement of oh mother-daughter relationships are are difficult you know something like that and yeah. and there's this there's this notion that yeah you know mother-daughter relationships are just complicated that's just the way it is my mother's relationship with her mother was complicated and yeah my mother only has me. I'm an only daughter. <laughs> I'm an only child. So, right. um, so it's, it's funny. It's funny that um, she has this understanding, but the way that you're explaining it, it makes sense because with each generation, there's a shift and um, there are other opportunities and better opportunities, you know, as, as we evolve, as human well, beings evolve. Well, exactly. And, um, and the resentment that comes my, with that. Yeah. My daughter's got far more opportunities and freedoms than I did at her age. And I have more than my mother ever could possibly have dreamed of. Um, and I think it's sort of sped up because I think my mother walked a repeat of my grandmother's life. So there, there was not much difference between those, their, their, their roles that they played in their life, but there was a significant difference between what I was able to choose for myself and what my daughter is able to choose. Um, but for some, and for some relationships that is celebrated, but in other relationships, it becomes a struggle. Um, and, and coming back to the complication of the mother-daughter, yeah, it, it, there, there is, a, there is, you know, in a way, your mother's right. I mean, that's what is said a lot within the media, within therapy world, within society. But I, what I hear in this, and you know, uh, no disrespect to your mother, what I hear in that is a, 
um, in a way, a silencing of, wow, it's just complicated. So therefore we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, and I'm talking about generally, I hear this a lot. So therefore that's just how it is. And I think that blocks the understanding of that, how the mother-daughter relationship is actually directly impacted on how women are treated. If women are silenced, how can mothers and daughters speak about what they feel, think and need if that conversation doesn't happen in a family? If, right. if, if mothers, for example, are the caregivers in the family and, and seen as the caregivers, not the care receivers, what happens then between a mother and daughter about care? How can they have a relationship where there's mutual care and where caring is a concept that we give, but we also receive? Mm. And it's, it's interesting. I don't want to bash my mom. I don't want to, you know, uh, because it's not about beautiful yeah. relationship as well. But it's, it's just so different compared to my relationship with my father, which is very uncomplicated and very, you know, easy in, 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 in some way. You know, we don't get into conflict the way that my mom and I do. And, and like you say, you know, it's, it's, it's easy because of what we're taught by society, you know, to, to just kind of maybe just accept that. But there is a mm-hmm. reason for it, right? And so there is a solution as well. Um, so let's get into that a little bit. What, what exactly is the work that you do with mothers and daughters? And how, how does that transform their relationship for the better? So I, um, I, I work with mothers and daughters either individually or as a couple, though most of the time now, I see mostly couples. And that's been an interesting journey too. When I first started back in whenever, years ago, um, in a way, again, the concept that you could, a mother and daughter could go for therapy wasn't there. Couples therapy was seen for um, romantic relationships, not for mothers and daughters. So I, in a way, had to educate women that, you know, this was available. And this was important. It was an important relationship to go. F- if, if things were not working well and you were arguing a lot or, or not, sometimes even a strain, it is, you know, it is worth, it's a worthy relationship to, to work on healing. And, and initially mothers and daughters came individually, but about, I would say, 10, 12 years ago, it shifted and couples started coming. And now... It's a real, real paradigm shift. I mean, I don't even have to explain it anymore. It, it seems, yeah, I think now it's in the collective consciousness about the fact, yes, mothers and daughters can go for therapy. Um, and, and, and it's important to, to, to invest in that time. So yeah, I work with mothers and daughters to work out what's going on in that relationship. So dig below the arguments, because we argue about, it's not what we argue about. It's the what's emotionally missing in the relationship that it's usually what mothers and daughters argue about. So uncover that and um, help them find a ways where they both feel heard and both feel understood and their differences are, are accepted in a sense. Um, where there's two realities that because often I find that mothers and daughters fight over who's who's right and Who's, who's, what, whose perception of what happened is true when in fact actually both can be true. Um, 
And, and as you said at the beginning, I, I spend most of my time now teaching therapists and coaches on how to work, how to do this work. Um, so that I, you know, and I'm building up a referral list on my website, Mother Daughter Coach, so that um, mothers and daughters can find the help that they deserve. Hmm. And so I know I've heard you speak about this before that you you use some kind of generational tracking on on what the yes. relationship was between the mother and the grandmother, maybe, and the daughter and the mother. Yes. How, how does that work? What does that look like? Yes. So one of the main tools I use, so over the years I've developed the mother-daughter attachment model, and one of the main exercises in that is uh, mother-daughter history mapping. So actually, so if any of the listeners want to do this, it's, it's some really detailed instructions in my book, The Mother-Daughter Puzzle. Um, so there's, yeah, I've laid out how I do this. Um, and you can do it yourself. So it's, it's a way of, for, for therapists and coaches listening, it's like a genogram, but when I, I, I threw out a lot of the rules about how to do a family tree or a genogram, because I felt it wasn't really uncovering the emotional reality of women in the, fa in the generational family as clearly as I needed it to be, so that I could really get to the heart of what does it mean to be female in this, in this family? so that I could understand what was going on between the mother and daughter. So the mother, so very brief, the mother-daughter history mapping is, so if I was mapping your mother-daughter history, it would be you, the daughter, then your mom and your grandmother. And so it's really, the focus is only on women. The men are placed on the left in terms of your grandfather or your father or your, your uh, partner. Um, but their place there is not really to look at their lives, but how they treat women. Did they listen to, to, the, to the women they say they love, their, their wives, their daughters? Did they emotionally support them? And particularly, and often that would probably be not the case because men were not taught to do that. Um, that's the sort of patriarchal way that men, men are not taught to be emotionally available to women. And then what's the impact of that on the women, on say the mother or the grandmother and on the daughter? What's the impact of the lack of support and emotional availability of men? We also look at something I call the culture of female service, i.e. all the ways that women, particularly generationally and well, still today, but particularly a mother's generation, a grandmother, were expected to be caregivers selfless caregivers and what's the emotional impact of that because that is huge that has a huge negative emotional impact on women's self-worth equality their visibility but also therefore on the mother-daughter relationship um, so it's basically a tool to really get to the heart of how what it means to be female and the beliefs that are passed down about what how women should behave and what and what what they can do and what they can't do what they can say what they can't say and what they're expected to how they're expected to be mm. hmm. so 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 just one more thought i had is so it's actually a picture of patriarchy it's an image of how patriarchy impacts women's lives and their relationships with each other wow <laughs> Your work is incredible. That is that is fascinating. 
you, we're, we're looking at it, you know, at the mother-daughter relationship, but really <laughs> what it is, is like you say, a picture of patriarchy. And yeah. oh, that makes it so important. <laughs> so important to uncover and to put words on the suffering that women have had to go through because of our as as human beings our inability to offer emotional support to women and maybe for us women to women's inability to even acknowledge what it is that we need Um, exactly Exactly. What you just said was really important. And that's what I see. Why right now, probably in the last, I would say, four or five years, I've seen a real trend of women like yourself in the 20s, 30s and 40s, wanting their mothers to come in for therapy because they're seeing the emotional impact of the self-silencing that women have been taught to do, that patriarchy teaches women to do, putting ourselves last. Um, not you know not not having the support that we need um, not knowing not just not knowing what we need because that whole conversation is completely missing and so there I think there's a hugely there's a huge wake up going on and revolution possibly even going on amongst women thinking no I don't want to live a selfless life like my mother was taught to do and my grandmother was taught to do I want to be my own self and my own person and I don't I I want to know what I need and be and feel free without guilt to voice this yeah and just one more one more thought to add on to what you just said is um from something that I I see with my relationship with my mom is, I think, um, you know, because my mom, she's, um, she's born in 1957. So basically she's, she grew up during the, the hippie era and, you know, the, the, when feminism was born and, um, and so, you know, this, this idea to, to be, a strong woman who can do it all and who um a a bit of a tomboy and um a bit of just getting used to and kind of holding it as a as a badge of honor to to be able to do it all on your own basically and not need a man um is something that i i can see reflected in my mom uh compared to my generation where i think um the 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 feminine qualities of actually needing support um, is more accepted maybe needing support and also the, yes. the wellness and self-care aspect um, yes. and so that that's that's an interesting layer as well because you you speak a lot about the the generation before maybe like your mother mother's generation yep. where it was more about self-sacrifice and just not being visible and and um being completely selfless and that but then came the era of the feminist right but but that's also something that kind of needs to be um unlearned don't you think like this do you know I what agree. i mean the, this I, part I do know feminist. what you mean mm. yeah well, I think what I'm, I, 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 what I'm hearing in what you're saying, I, I can, because I completely agree with you, this whole era 
It's because I'm in a sense, you, you probably, you know, I'm your mother's generation. That whole superwoman, we can do it all, we can have it all, was a load of rubbish, actually. Mm. And, and <laughs> taught women, I mean, I think it's, in a sense, part of the evolution. So, it's, you know, it, it's, it was an important part of our evolution. But, it, but it's also, it had no, to me, it was empty of the emotional care that women need. Because no, we can't do it all and have it all all of the time. The time because and 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 in that conversation too, who takes care of children? I.e., that you know, fathers as well as mothers are equally responsible for the care of the care and the emotional, the emotional and the physical care of children. That wasn't there either. Again, so women had to do just be everything to everyone, but not to themselves. And so, yeah, I think though it helped, the sort of feminist movement has really done, a, um, a, you know, we wouldn't be talking today without it. Right. But there is still, like you say, that conversation missing that I think that, that women today, particularly the younger women today are realizing needs to be brought to the fore about what do we need? What do we, how do we feel? What do we need? What support do we, do we need from others around us? So that not everything is on our shoulders because it, it, it's impossible to carry everything. And, and so many of those, those issues that have existed since many, many gen generations before, you know, like the self-sacrifice mm -hmm aspect uh, and all the all of those things are still here as well i mean we've come a long way but um yeah but well, there's a long way to go learning yet. to do and from my experience since becoming a mom i can see all of all of those issues within myself much more clearly than i did before becoming a mom <laughs> you know i can see that i have i have a tendency to definitely just just give and completely neglect myself you know at the end of the day I sometimes I I can see that I didn't eat well you know I, I, I barely have slept you know all of those things um, and there's such a shift I feel um, when you become a mom as well you have to deal with all of these societal issues um, that women have to deal with, you know, what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a mom, things that I, I yeah. just did not realize <laughs> before mm -hmm. becoming a mom, you know, how real these issues are. Um, You're right. You're absolutely right, which is why, um, and again, I write about this in the mother-daughter puzzle because I see there's about eight stages in the mother-daughter relationship because that's, uh, on an aside, that's another thing, you know, along with it's the mother-daughter relationship is too complicated to understand. There's also the marginalization of mothers. It's just mothers and teenage daughters, when in fact it's from cradle to grave, I mean, and, and beyond because it's generational. So I see eight stages and one of them is when the daughter has a baby. And those stages are flashpoints where what has been, say, papered over in the relationship and rumbling underneath, underneath the surface comes to the fore, demanding to be looked at and to understood and healed, and particularly when the daughter has a baby, 
what exactly what you said, what it means to be female and what it means to be mo a mother in the family and in the society is, is up for conversation and change, actually. And the, the mother, the new grandmother, will reflect on what it was like for her when she was, you know, a young mother. And maybe, and possibly, highly likely, the lack of support she got. So, yeah, these, 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 this time, particularly when the daughter has a baby and, then, and there are other stages, like when the daughter gets married and, and so on and so forth, are some really important times where generational change can be facilitated for mothers and daughters. So where do we start with the change? I mean, so if we, if we do this, this therapy with you, this counseling, um, mm -hmm. what results can we expect um, within the relationship and within us as women? You know, what, what's, what's the change? Can, can we, because a lot of the things that we're talking about, there are issues that have existed for so long. What's the yeah. solution <laughs> is basically what I'm trying to, to. Yeah. What's, to. Well, firstly, I think, um, well, the, the, there's two bits to that. I think the first thing, when you map your mother daughter history, the understanding, the depth of understanding that you then gain of who you are and why you are and what why you think the way you think and why you behave in the way that you do and the choices you make or have made and how you relate in your relationships because it's not just mother daughter but how you relate in all your relationships how you relate at work is actually quite phenomenal because you you get to see it's not just you you get to see that actually you too are you are a product of what of your mother's life and your grandmother's life and how women, what, what it means to be female in your family and in your culture and your society. And then you see also the great stuff, absolutely, but also the harmful, how you've learned to, to question whether what you know is real and whether you, you have the right to say exactly what's, what's, what's on your mind. You know, so, so, so that depth of understanding, I think we can't change what we don't know. Mm. So seeing, connecting the dots like that, I think is incredibly powerful. And I think that's 60% of it, quite frankly. And then um, the second bit is, so uh, the, the last stage of the, or this last step of the mother-daughter history map, mapping is to draw up a roadmap for change. And, um, and that's often, you know, I mean, I've yet to see a map where claiming what you need isn't written down because we're still learning that conversation. So for me, it's, it is learning. What do I really need? And, and at first, women, it's like a muscle that we haven't used and we don't even know we've got. Um, so at first we think, oh, we need. I need five minutes to myself. I need to. I need to take a, you know, have, take a long bath or a bubble bath. I need to have a massage. But and these are all fine. But it's when you start thinking, hey, somebody, somebody cut me off yesterday when I was talking, and I, and and they didn't get what I was trying to say, and I and I felt dismissed. And I need to get back to that. I need to get back. I need to cycle back to that person and say, hang on a minute. I didn't get to fully. I didn't get to be heard. 
Now that's when you're getting somewhere. That's when you're starting to be visible in your relationships more and to yourself. So that to me, and, and the knock-on effect with moms and daughters is that then that you start talking like that with in you in that relationship. And you're no longer having to fight over who gets to be heard. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's that's very hopeful and that's very that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for I mean that was so profound what you just said. Wow. So just we we spoke a little bit about this earlier. Um um the dynamic between fathers and sons, it's it's presumably very different from from that of mother and daughter. But um I kind of wanna I kind of wanna know what the what the effect then is on our relationship with with men when we mm -hmm. realize um when we realize the issues, when we've gone through this process, how our relationship with men, our fathers, our husbands, our brothers can change for the better. Yes. Um, well, for firstly, yeah, the father-son relationship is also clearly impacted by patriarchy. But the difference is between, say, father-son and mother-daughter is that patriarchy prioritizes men's needs over women's needs. Now, it's within patriarchy, there's still a hierarchy. Some men are more important than others, clearly. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not an equal playing field by any means for men either. But, there, but it still values men over women. So that's, in a sense, a significant, one of the significant differences between father, son, and mother, daughter. In terms of women's change in their relationship with this, with the men in their lives, we be it fathers, brothers, partners, husbands, um, sons, even because in a sense it's also you're teaching us, you're teaching your sons that listening to women is a normal, is normal, isn't? And like I'm saying this, I'm thinking, why? What world have we created where that's not even normal? Um, when it should be completely normal. I think the thing is with women, I think we have been given the responsibility to fix our relationship. Like if, if a relationship's broken, it must be the woman's fault. Um, growing up in New Zealand, I don't know if this saying is anywhere else, but in New Zealand, when I was growing up, um, there was a saying, women fix the, men fix the car and women fix the relationship. And the thing is, we can't. Relationships are like a bridge. You cannot build a bridge starting at one end and over, over past the keystone and ending up at the other side. It is engineering impossibility and it's a, it's a relationship impossibility. We can only do so much. And men do need to step up to the plate and change how they have been taught to perceive women or to silence women or to dismiss women. Dismiss women. So we can do a lot, but we can only do half of it. Um, so yeah, we, we will make ourselves more, uh, expect to be heard more. But again, it's up to men to listen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't fix, I say, fix yeah, we a can't bridge fix by yourself. All. No. 
and I think I say that to women, women have been, I hear this a lot from clients, and I know for myself, I think, why wasn't I hurt? And I turn myself inside out thinking, well, if I say it this way, if I do this, if I, if I, if my tone of voice changes, and I, if we can turn ourselves inside out trying to be heard, when maybe the problem is not the speaker, but the problem is the listener. And I'm not saying this is true for all men by any stretch of the imagination, because there are some really great, you know, there's a lot of great things, you know, a lot of great men who do listen to women. And I think there's a lot of change happening, but still I think what I'm talking about is women thinking they can do it all again. Like we talked about before, we can't. We can only say it and leave the listener to listen and be responsible for their, either their listening or their lack of listening. Hmm that unapologetic communication and like the honest communication but then also just saying saying it as it is and just owning where you're at you know and and what you need and how however uncomfortable it might make the other person feel the man feel or you know but to to kind of stand your ground that's something that that I find is very difficult for myself and I can see it in other women as well. Um, but it's definitely oh. a need to learn. Yeah, no, I agree. It is, it, I, I'm, and it's something I'm still on a journey with. I mean, I've said it, but don't for a minute think that I'm quite the way where I would like to be with that because I think I know I'm still on that journey of, and I love how you said that, unapolog what did you say? Unapologetic. Um, what did I say? Unapologetic. It was unapologetic. just beautiful what you said. Owning. Un unapologetic. Owning your truth or something like that. I like the word unapologetic. That really, I really resonated with that. I love that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's sometimes it just feels so hard to be a woman. It just feels like there's this... There's so much to learn about being a woman, <laughs> yeah. both when it comes to the, the historical issues that we have inherited and that society reflects, mm -hmm. also learning how to overcome them and to step into your power as a woman and and we are powerful but but sometimes it, it can feel overwhelming it can feel like there's a lot to learn <laughs> and I agree yes so therefore you just start just do what again do what you need to do that day and I think you know because there is a lot on women's shoulders there's too much on women's shoulders so just and and most of us are just trying to get through the day especially at the moment um so yeah just do what you need to do that day but don't don't forget yourself in the day mm. take mm. time so that to recharge your batteries and to take care of what you need so that you feel cared for rested stronger whatever it is you need and this is a perfect segue into my final question. This is something mm -hmm. that I ask all of the guests that come on this show, uh, because as you know, the name of the show is Inner Winner. And so I really want to highlight the inner experience that we all go through <laughs> and, yep. and which includes the emotional highs and the emotional lows. So my last question is always, 
how, what practices and strategies do you do to be an inner winner when you experience those low points or, you know, this, the low self-esteem, the doubts, all of those things that, that we experience as humans, it's normal, but, but what do you do um, to, to pick yourself back up and be an inner winner, quote unquote? That's a great question, actually. Um, I think what I do, one of the things that I think I've done, actually probably from early 20s when in terms of trying to work out what was happening with my relationship with my mother is journal. I, I write, because I do believe for journaling, um, you write yourself out on the page. So writing out, just writing out what, what's going on inside of me. What are the thoughts? What are the, what, what am I feeling? What isn't there for me that I might need? What's, what, how am I reacting to what's happening? And as I write it out, I think, oh, I start seeing connections. I start getting resolutions. I start getting a way forward. Um, so yeah, I'm a maybe because I'm a therapist, or maybe that's why I became a therapist. I'm also uh, I like to process, and sometimes just processing it out on the on the page. I find, and I do it long. You know, for me, typing doesn't work as much. But again, it, it, do it the way that for anybody. You know, sometimes writing it out in a longhand or typing it out, or even recording might might be better for some people, but. Yeah, talking it out and for me on the page really is, I've got, got, I've often got a lot of clarity through that. You know, it's, it's funny how, how common this is. And I guess it's good. I mean, every, actually every single guest I've had on so far has given that same answer to journal. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they, they, they explain a, a little bit differently the reasons why and exactly how they do it and all those things, but every single person has said journal. So, so that's, that's, yeah, that's good. It makes it easy, easy and simple to know what to do when yeah. you reach those low points. Huh. Well, that's good to know because that actually for me is good feedback because I do get um, my students to journal in my course and I have clients, I, 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 I suggest it. So it's good feedback for me that it actually clearly is a really excellent tool for women. Mm. Thank you so much, Roski, for coming on to the show again. Now we're wrapping up. Unfortunately, I, I wish we could carry on and speak forever, <laughs> but, but you've given us so much value on the show and just, just given us this, this mirror to look into the issues that we experience personally as women but then also in the relationship with our mothers and our daughters and society as a whole and the responsibility that we that we have to fix mm -hmm. it yeah well thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for the, all the work that you do as well um and not only bringing this information to people, but how you know who you are and what what you bring in your work to to women um, is phenomenal. So huge respect to you and 
and thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you got something out of it, please share it with your friends, family, somebody you think would benefit from the message. And I hope to see you in our next episode. Bye.